from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, your exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and I'm joined today in June by the one and only Buzzy Cohen. Well, thank you for having me, Sarah. I have to say, as exciting as all of the Ben Chan and Masters oh. of It All has been, it's nice to kind of get back to yeah. regular Virginia Jeopardy. Yeah, simpler yeah? times. You know, we don't have a million games to review. We've just got a one great week of shows. We just get to enjoy each other, ourselves, and the great syndicated Jeopardy show. And other shows are highlighting our show as well. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, no spoilers here for you Mrs. Maisel fans. And I have to say, I am a marvelous Mrs. Maisel fan, but I've only made it through half of the last season. So mm. when word came out that Jeopardy was featured at the end of the final episode, that they chose our little show to end it all, I was so proud. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks so much to one of the things that we cover sometimes in this podcast and definitely in the other podcasts. This is Jeopardy, the story of America's favorite quiz show. And one of the big things is like, how or why is Jeopardy this touchstone? And how, what does it mean when Jeopardy pops up in Cheers? In uh, White Men Can't White Jump. Men can, free Guy, a little Golden more Golden Girls. Yes. Charlie's Angels. I mean, everyone everyone shouts out the classic. Even the new Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. I don't know if you know that, if you've seen it yet. But I haven't seen it yet. But there's a full category of clues that our writers helped curate because we wanted it to be authentic. Yeah. The specific categories that are going into that film. So if you didn't see it last weekend, get out and see it. I've heard wonderful things. A little and, Sony um, Synergy little synergy jeopardy's I, everywhere i did hear a review of it that said all killer no filler mm. about that so anyway oh, okay but but, but i soul, you know yes. I, I would say the thing that is most excited for me is we get to see not just jeopardy in mrs Maisel, but our pal brad rudder who brad i just rudder. love he is back and uh, i was able to read his vulture article that because even brad was surprised you know they come to us months in advance when they ask for clips for things for various shows and movies. We never know if it will get used, how it will get used until it shows up on our screens. And so Brad was watching as well. And there he was in the ultimate tournament of champions. He makes it into Maisel history. And one quote I did want to take from that was him saying, he's always up for playing Jeopardy again. Mm. And I know our listeners know we got this little thing called the JIT, the Jeopardy Invitational Tournament. I know many of you wondered, where is Brad Rudder? How was he not a part of Masters? And yes, Brad Rudder has made more money on Jeopardy than any other contestant in history. Those stats are so impressive. So what we now want to see is, how is Brad right now? Can he come to the JIT? competing against some other greats and prove that he deserves a spot as one of the current greats in Masters next year. I'm excited to see that. I miss uh, seeing Brad on stage. Yeah. You know who probably doesn't miss seeing him on stage? Ken Jennings. Yes. Most times, with the exception of the GOAT, that those two ended up going head-to-head, Brad usually won. I think Ken came in second to Watson and Brad came in third. Mm. So technically Te- he yeah. beat him in that one, but I think they both lost. Overall, the they <laughs> were they were losers in I that love one. I do love Ken's quote on that uh until goat he would say, "Always a Brad's made, never a Brad." Yes, love that so much. <laughs> yeah, always love when our favorite show 
Jeopardy makes it into anyone's living room. I have to say, everywhere I go, my daughter had a performance last week of The Wizard of Oz. Mm. She was Dorothy, and I ran into some lovely, you know, supportive grandparents as we were leaving. I thought they wanted to talk all about my daughter, but no. They wanted to talk all about Masters. Yes. They wanted to talk about Ben Chan. They wanted to talk about Benedict versus Benedict. I mean, they are big fans. Well, I just had a similar experience to you. <laughs> I, as you know, recently got to appear on KTLA yes. for the, in the morning Speaking last week. Speaking of seeing our favorite shows on our favorite shows, yes. Yes. Well, so we were talking all about the new podcast, what we were talking about. But these folks on this KTLA morning show are diehard Jeopardy fans. They knew everything that was going on. It's like... They not only watch the show, but I feel like they are in our brains in terms of what we're talking about on this very podcast. They wanted to talk about Benedict versus Benedict. They were talking about how the hosting thing worked. It was just like it was great to be with real fans that are really watching it all the time and not just people who are like, oh, what's going on with Jeopardy? Because it popped into some news feed or something. Yes. Well, having done hundreds of local (laughs) interviews over the years, you always knew when you went to a station and the person talking to you actually watched the show. Yeah. One, they could usually say Clue Crew. And two, they knew (laughs) what the heck I did. Other people like, so you write the clues? So you're with that blue dog, huh? Yeah, that's you. But it always is fun to to do those interviews with people who really love it. And that was a great interview. I'm not going to say I learned things, but I was like your proud sibling. Like every time you would respond, I was like, yeah, he knows it. He knows it. Yeah, tell him how it works, Buzzy. Yeah, it was. No, it was really great. And they were really excited. I mean, they all... I think left that interview saying, I want to be the enabler. So Michael Harris, there are some local yeah, news folks who want They were impressed your- <laughs> with that. When you threw out that terminology, they were like, what? There's an enabler? Yeah. Yeah. He, he lives up to the hype too, I'd say, Michael Harris does. 100%. I, I actually offered to enable for the finals for masters but nobody took me up on that really? i thought that would be a fun little well we knew you were busy with your handy dandy nope i That's was the only reason it was busy yeah i'll sit in and enable for fun one if day if ever the enabler goes down yes if he's stuck in traffic we've got a backup for you yeah. michael uh what do you say we dive into last week's games let's cue those beep boops factors ready to eat meals make eating better every day easy when my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Well, we kicked off the week with returning champion Deandra D'Alessio facing Travis Lee and Nirajan Murali. It was a tight competition until Travis found that last daily double late in the double Jeopardy round, adding $6,000 to his score, taking the lead, heading into final. Deandra close behind in second, but unfortunately, Travis unable to finish writing his response. Deandra secured her second come-from-behind win in a row, dressed just as fashionably as her first, I will say. Yeah, it's funny to come after our Ben Chan experience of all these runaways. You know, we had nine runaways in a row. Now we have two come from behind wins in a row. 
I identify with DeAndre. I have plenty of come from behind wins. I also <laughs> would love to talk about, we were just talking about the category, who was that masked man? Yeah, this was one of those fun things where we were talking with Sony and they were like, we'd really like to put something together for the movie. You know, we've got Shamik Moore. He's one of the stars and he'd love to do something. And so I went to the writers and I said, hey, it's a quick turnaround. We want to shoot it like this week. And they said, you know, we just happen to have this category about various masked <laughs> men that they needed one extra clue for. And it worked out perfectly. So they wrote the clue for Shamik. We were able to shoot that with him. And again, at the time, Sony was telling me, we can't tell you, we can't show you what the Jeopardy reference is, but Jeopardy is going to be a part of the movie. Mm. So it's even more cool if we have this synergy. So Corporate synergy. Happy to make that happen. I haven't been able to see the film yet, but I am very we should go together. To check it out. Yeah, family movie night. Yeah. I like that idea, Buzzy. And back to this game before we move on to Tuesday. Travis did say in the post-game chat he would love a chance to play again, maybe a couples tournament. Apparently his wife is a force to be reckoned with. What do you think about that? How would you and Alicia do on the uh, show together? We would do great. Alicia is much better than me at a lot of the categories that I struggle with. She's one of these people who any celebrity you show a picture and she knows their name and what they've been and she's really really good at that and i know some celebrities obviously but when it's like off that kind of first tier sure. i have a hard time and she's like oh that's so and so they used to date so and so they were on this show da, 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 da. she's very very good uh she is a great mind great great with movies yeah a lot of pop culture stuff i'm a little more academic we'd be a good team too bad you're disqualified. I'm disqualified. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, uh, not according to Michael Davies. Not Every according day to Michael Davies, but mind. even KTLA said, you know, now that you well, have been them. behind the curtain, that's you I can't told them. be back behind the podium. I'm just trying to avoid embarrassing myself with this new breed of amazing oh, Jeopardy player. I'm from an, I'm from a different era. age, you know. Yeah. It's like baseball players who used to like, you know, drink a gallon of whiskey and then go out and play and have big guts and could barely run around the base. Yeah, look at Babe Babe. Ruth. Do you think Babe Ruth would be playing baseball today? Absolutely not. But anyway. Okay. Well, heading on to Tuesday, Deandra went for her third win against Ilhana Redzovic and Nathan Dennis. Ilhana had a small lead heading into the double jeopardy round where she went on a tear, finding the last daily double, adding $5,000 to her total. But she was just short of securing that runaway Fortunately for her, final was a triple stumper. I don't know when that's ever good news, but it was for her, and a small wager allowed her to get win number one. Disney endings. We've talked about our love of Disney fans, oh the my Disney goodness. endings category. When this category came up, I was like, I'm going to nail this one, and I did. We still need to go on the Disney podcast. I, I know. haven't arranged that. Do you that's think our me. invitation still stands? I think it does. This is probably more for that podcast than this one, but I don't know if you heard, but Splash Mountain is closed. Oh, did I hear? <laughs> I, I debated maybe just going for one last trip by myself, like leaving the family at home last and week, just yeah. taking one more trip. One more dip. Down that, the log of doom. The flume. The flume of doom. Um, I, I also really loved learning that Nathan had tried out three times and two were in person, one of which was in Seoul. Um, you know, I just want to say out there, because I know we have a lot of hopefuls in the audience, so many of our great champions or just great contestants like Nathan took the test multiple times, spent years trying to get on the show. Arthur Chu, James Holtower. Amy Schneider. Amy Schneider. Austin Rogers. So many people, it took them, uh, you know, not everyone can be like me and get on the first time you take the test. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we actually had a recent champion who was asking Ken about that. He's like, so, you know, how long did it take you? And he's like, well, you know, I waited like almost a year. And he's like, no. Like, you never tried out? And Ken was like, no, no. I mean, the first time I tried out, like, they waited almost a year to get back to me. And, 
you know. That's about where Ken and my similarities on the Jeopardy stage end. No, come on now. <laughs> You're selling yourself short. Well, heading into Wednesday, Ilhana returned to face Kyle Marshall and Lisa Gargiulo. It was a slow start for all three of our players, but Ilhana and Kyle battled back and forth throughout the double Jeopardy round, splitting the daily doubles, working their way to five-digit scores, heading into final. In that round, Ilhana opted for an unconventional zero wager from the lead. This is what's so funny about these wagers. Mm -hmm. In that moment, people are like, what were you thinking? That's crazy. But then all three players end up being incorrect in final, and she gets the win. I think that looking at this, you look at sports and movies, if you don't feel comfortable, if you yeah. feel like that is a category where you're not going to do well, then Ilhana clearly did the right thing. It's easy to feel overconfident, you know, or just think of Final Jeopardy solely on the numbers. You also really have to take into account the category. I had a category in the Tournament of Champions that was uh, history and music, and I felt really, really wow. confident. And that I made is like in your in wheelhouse, my wheelhouse, one and would I think. bet big on it. A lot of people were like, "What are you doing?" I was just like, "You know, I wanted to win. I wanted to make a statement." And I think on the flip side of that, when it doesn't feel like it's your category, sometimes a conservative wager um, makes sense, especially when the game is close like this. We saw some of this gamesmanship happening uh, in Masters as well. Obviously, it's a different situation, but um, I also wanted to talk a little bit, if we may, about these low daily double wagers. Every time someone hits a daily double, I say bet it all. And I think we got to look at the statistics, but more times than not, people get daily doubles correct. It seems they do, <laughs> unless it's one of those people you're rooting for and they go in really big and then they miss it and yeah. they feel terrible. Now, when we're talking about Final Jeopardy, I did yeah. want to remind people the category sports and the movies. So that is something you know if you're a fan yeah. of movies and sports, both of them together, that could be a little right. intimidating if it isn't in your lane. The clue, a Gina Davis Institute study found shortly after a 2012 franchise film's release, women's participation in this sport rose 105%. Of course, we're reflecting on the Hunger Games, the yeah. correct response, what is archery? The Gina Davis Institute is an organization that we have worked with here on Jeopardy. They were thrilled with this final Jeopardy clue to come up, and I loved this one. I thought it was a really creative way of, you know, learning something yeah. in a clue. But pinning it in a way that you didn't yes. have to know, you know totally. that it rose 105%. Totally. And I think what where people could get tripped up if, you know, you go into sports and movies, you start thinking about major, you know, football, the baseball, natural. the natural. Uh, Field of dreams. The bad news bears. Uh, you know, Friday all night of this. lights. This Mighty Ducks, all of this stuff. Right? <laughs> These you know, are most of the places I'm going. Right, so this is where we're all going. You know, like I could see a Mighty Ducks clue where it's like the team, which is now the Ducks, was named after the film franchise, whatever it is. Um, so you start going into those big national league sports and maybe forget about something like archery. Yeah. Some of the best advice Brad Rutter ever gave me was the worst thing that you can do on Final Jeopardy is when you see the category is start to figure out what they're going to be asking. Don't be a Jeopardy blind guesser. Don't, well, when you're on the show, don't be a Jeopardy okay, blind guesser. Okay, interesting. And it certainly has bit me in the butt a few times because this is one of those things where maybe you start rolling through Bull Durham, uh, Tin Cup, 
you know, you start going through Happy Gilmore, all these different famous sports movies, and it's totally... Hoosiers. Hoosiers. <laughs> it's totally in a different... Space Jam. Um, we, we should stop. Space Jam White two. Man Can't Jump. <laughs> okay, uh, but, but it's really going in a different direction. So sometimes the best thing you can do is to try to keep your mind as blank as possible until that actual clue shows up. Deal with the material you're given instead of trying to create a list in your head that you're narrowing down. But at home... But just, at home, blind guess away. Go for it. Absolutely. It's super fun. Sarah, I want to ask you, because this had a really fun category to this game. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, talk to me about that. What a legend. What a legend, yes. You know, this was a happy and sad category all at the same time. One of the reasons that Andrew was in the States and able to do this category was that he was helping, you know, prepare for the launch of his new musical, Bad Cinderella, mm-hmm. which opened on Broadway in March. And sadly is closing this week. So by the time the category was set to air, unfortunately we knew that the show was closing. I had the chance to see the show on Broadway as part of, you know, the research for the category. I sat in the audience actually one row behind Andrew and wow. it was when the show was still in previews, but to be feet away from Andrew Lloyd Webber watching his work on the stage, it's just a moment I will never forget. He is as much a perfectionist in, you know, delivering clues as he is in creating these beautiful musicals over the years. And, you know, he wanted to get it right. He would deliver it and then he'd say, oh, no, I'm going to do it better. Here's a better (laughs) one. And even when he did the clue about the Phantom of the Opera, you know, he added a little thing at the end. He said, but the Phantom doesn't want to leave New York. (laughs) So it seemed like he was almost teasing Mm. that maybe the Phantom of the Opera will come back. Interestingly enough, with Bad Cinderella closing on June 4th, it's the first time in 43 years that Andrew Lloyd Webber doesn't have a show on Broadway. That's incredible. Starting four decades ago with Vita and then Cats and Starlight Express and Sunset Boulevard. And then, you know, he did School of Rock. I mean, you forget how much he has done, but there'll be a hole in the heart of Broadway without Andrew Lloyd Webber, for sure. But as he said, this is just goodbye for now. It is not goodbye. And it was really great to feature him on the show. Hi, I'm Buzzy Cohen. You've heard me on Inside Jeopardy, breaking down stats, analyzing contestant plays, and reviewing key moments from recent games. Well, I'm hosting another Jeopardy! podcast, but this one's a little bit different. Think less sports, more history. We'll be taking you on a journey from Jeopardy!'s beginning in the 1960s through the Alex Trebek years to its current day super champs. For the last 60 years, we've been watching one show. Hear how it all came together on This Is Jeopardy! The story of America's favorite quiz show. Out now from Sony Music Entertainment and Sony Pictures TV. Moving on to Thursday's game with two-day champion Ilhana going up against Jared Watson and Eva Thomas. Ilhana and Eva both had impressive Jeopardy rounds, finishing with over $7,000, both of them, while Jared finished the round in the negative. But he really kicked it up in double Jeopardy, 12 correct responses, working his way back into contention. From the lead, Eva was unable to come up with the correct response in final, but Jared was, and he caps off an exciting come-from-behind win, and we've got another new champion. Yeah, I did enjoy in Jared's post-game chat when he was shocked (laughs) after the win and said, I can't words right now. Uh, we've talked about this so yes. many times, but it's Yoda. such a, yeah. That's my, uh, my husband often tells me I speak like Yoda. So <laughs> I relate to you, Jared. I understand what you're saying. All right. We closed out the week with Jared facing Jong Lim and Sylvia Itzo Hunter. 
Jared shined throughout both the Jeopardy and Double Jeopardy rounds, 15 and 16 correct responses respectively in each of those. He was able to take a strong lead heading into final where he was the only one to come up with the correct response. This was not a come from behind. This was a nice, solid exclamation point on a second win to end the week. Yeah, it just goes to show how sometimes you need a little bit of luck, but all of the players with the right material, the right amount of confidence uh, can really, really shine on this stage. And I just want to tell everyone, please wager big on your daily doubles. Did you hear that? (laughs) If you're listening and you're about to go on the show, we don't want to see you making those tiny daily double wagers. Well, so, you know, I, I say this and I have a strategic point of view of here which do. which is that one you've already played a couple of clues in the category probably you kind of get what the writers are asking for you know where it is on the board so you know the level of difficulty you have a way more information than you do on final jeopardy why not bet more there and also there are more clues on the board bet more on these daily doubles you can make it up than ending up in a close final and having to bet a ton of money and ending up you know in a situation where you know you may not be able to get it Yeah. So if any of you are listening and you go on the show and you bet big and you get it correct, you can thank Buzzy. And if you bet big (laughs) and you get it wrong, you can uh, write me a strongly worded email that I will not read. I also had to love Jared in the postgame chat. You know, he's happy. He's heading into the weekend as a champion. He said, I'm just a dorkopotamus from East (laughs) Texas. These things don't happen to us out in the country. And that this was just so far beyond his expectations and um you know i loved that in fact we used it in the open on the next show because a dorkopotamus from east texas yeah that was open gold if you ask me well congratulations to jared as he heads into the weekend as a jeopardy champion now let's answer some viewer questions shall we okay greg asks when the judges return to an earlier decision and reverse it as for instance, when an answer is ruled correct after first being ruled incorrect, is such an action typically prompted by an onset protest by the contestant in question, or is the reversal of a ruling done because the judges themselves have come to a new understanding of the matter? You know, it's a it's a well-oiled machine, beautiful orchestration that happens throughout our show. And not only do we have, you know, the judges table consisting of producers and writers, But back in the library, as we've talked about, you know, our writers and researchers work in a real library. That's where their offices are located. All of our researchers and writers who aren't on stage are watching the show from the library. We also have one of our writers offstage who has access, you know, to the interweb, who is also online throughout the show. And so anytime a contestant gives a response that we were not anticipating, research begins in that second. Whether or not anyone is asking for it or prompting it, the research starts happening. So while the game is continuing, people are starting to look at those responses and do additional research to see if maybe that is just something that we hadn't anticipated someone would say, but it is also, in fact, correct. Now, what happens next is someone will alert, we need to stop. And oftentimes, you know, Billy, our head writer, will also say, we need to stop because he knows, you know what, we need to give that a Mm -hmm. little bit of thought, not knowing what research has already been done. And the times to stop are obviously before a daily double. We always want to stop before that if possible or any time we go to a break. So if that happens at any of those specific times, we then stop down and we check in. Okay, you know, Billy will be on the phone with the researchers in the library. What have you found? You know, Billy's pulling out his dictionary. You know, we've got another writer, John Duarte, 
off stage. He's saying, I'm getting a thousand hits for that word. And mm -hmm. okay, let's go back in. Does it meet all of the parts of the clue? You know, yes, it works for that. Does it also work for this second part? And this is when Michael's involved and Lisa, and we're all kind of gathering as much information about it before we make a ruling. Then if it's decided, yes, it is in fact acceptable, then we'll notify the host. We'll let them know, okay, we're going to make this announcement before the Daily Double, or we're going to make this announcement, you know, in the contestant interviews before we get into the round or before we start Double Jeopardy. And the interesting thing is that we don't want to penalize anyone unnecessarily. So... Let's say, you know, our first contestant rings in, they give a response, the host rules them incorrect, someone else rings in, and they are correct. Even when we go back in and we adjust the score, we don't take the money away from the person who also gave right. a correct response. You know, technically, had we stopped right in that moment and said, yes, they wouldn't have gotten that money, but we don't go back in time and take that money away from them. So it really is... I don't want to say it's exciting when it happens because we never <laughs> want that to happen, but I'm always really intrigued by the process and how precisely it all works yeah. and how we get to a good resolution as quickly as possible. And it's not that we make mistakes, honestly. It's just that sometimes, as much as you anticipate what someone is going to say, there are things you can anticipate. And on the host script, as you know from when you host it, there will be do not accepts that right. are words that are similar, but they do not meet the clue. And then there will be also acceptable. Right. And so sometimes, you know, even the host will say, yes, kidney bean or fava bean. Like there are, that probably would never happen. That was no. just off my top of my head. Well, but you I know what you I'm talking example. about. I can okay, give you an Bessie example. can give me an example. Uh, in my TOC, there was a picture of a sandwich and it was starts and ends with H. And I couldn't really see the sandwich because, you know, we're across the stage. Yes. We have bigger monitors now. Bigger though. monitors yes. now. And I said ham sandwich because I saw some ham on there. Oh. But they were looking for a hero sandwich. Alex ruled me incorrect. When we stopped down tape, I protested. And they corrected and gave it to me. And afterwards, one of the researchers said, yeah, we had already discussed accepting that. But sometimes when you're in the middle of the game as the host, you know, you're like, okay, that wasn't the response I was looking sure. for. Things like that happen. And I also just want to say they mentioned, you know, a situation like I just spoke about where a contestant protests. I've also been on stage where a contestant will protest another contestant's response. Yes, and usually what happens in either of those scenarios is, you know, one of our contestant coordinators will come over and say, you know, this is what someone is saying. And then I'll usually get on the headset and share it with the people who need to know. Right. Oftentimes we've already been doing the research, but it always gives them peace of mind to say, yes, we also questioned that we looked into it. Yeah. We did make the right call. Here. Yeah. The one I remember, I the question was asking for the character and I said the Blair Witch. They protested because they said the name of the movie was the Blair Witch Project. But, but it was, it was, it was looking for the character. So they just clarified that. With yes. Them, yeah. And another thing that happens is, you know, in the moment, we all do this when we're speaking. Sure. You're sure that you said something. Of course. And someone will play it back for you and they'll be like, no, you didn't. So oftentimes, you know, a contestant will say, I said that. And we will, you know, you know what? We've listened to the tape. And sometimes we'll play it to the floor so that right. they can hear it as well. Right. Because you know that feeling. We're like, I would never have said that. It happened to James on one right. of his responses. It was in incandescent and yes. incandescence. And I was going to say these wordplay ones are a triple rhyme time. I had one where I added an S to one of the words yes. so it no longer rhymes. These are the ones where it gets really in the weeds. And it yes. can be tough to be a contestant and have those things rule against you when you're really going for it. And it's just like a letter off. 
But it happens. It happens. Even to the best. And we're glad that uh, Jeopardy cares so much to really um, be consistent. We care. All right. Well, Libby asks, I thought this was an interesting question. My family has a theory that once a player successfully buzzes in, they have some type of advantage on the buzzer. Any truth? I would say mechanically, no. There is no advantage to having just answered correctly on the buzzer. But what I think Libby is seeing is people going on runs, which happens because there is an advantage to having given the last correct response, which is you are selecting the next clue and category. You know where we're going, whereas if you're another contestant, you're having to catch up with what the next clue is. You also have just gotten some feedback confirmation that your buzzer timing is correct. Yes. And I know the mental game of the buzzer, like when you don't get in, then you get in your head like, oh, I'm going in too early. I'm going in too late. And so you're right. When you are the first to ring in, you're like, okay, whatever I did, I'm going to do that again. Exactly. I've got this. I've got this. You know, the the buzzer mojo, as James calls it. Yeah. And while during the break, sometimes the contestant team will give you some advice about your buzzer technique or whatever. In the game, you don't know if you're too early or too late. And so I think that is part of what makes it hard to kind of break in when a contestant is going on a run of a couple of of questions. So that's my feeling in maybe what people are experiencing. There's no change in how the buzzer responds. It's just the way the game works does give some advantage to the person who gave the last correct response. Yes. And there's been, you know, a lot of theory that that's why jumping around became so popular as well, to just throw off your competition. You're correct. You're selecting again quickly. Like you said, they don't know where you're going. They got to figure out where did he just call from? Where were category we in? And, you know, you're halfway through the clue before you realize where we're at. So let's be honest. Be the first one to buzz in. Yeah. That that works. It's always good to be in control. (laughs) It's always good to be in control. Well, that brings us to the end of today's show. I hope you join us next week for more gameplay discussion. As always, subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and on TikTok. And send us your questions to InsideJeopardyPodcast at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. 